It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN as uh, we get ready to look at all of the issues. And boy, there's a lot of issues out there, a lot of things to talk about for sure. And uh, so we get started off with our roundtable with Jason Jorgensen along with Bob Brogan and Susan Littlefield as we kind of get in the mood for everything we're going to talk about. So let's uh, start it off with Susan Littlefield. Good morning to you, Susan. Well, thanks, Scott, and welcome, of course, to a Monday and the month of June. Coming up on the midday from the farm team, I'll kick it off here at 1219 as we talk about wheat scab and also ammoniating wheat to be able to feed the straw to beef cattle. Then Chad will step in at 1245. The National Pork Producers held a conference call last week. He gives us a summary of what they're asking coming out of Washington, D.C. And then Alex will wrap it all up at 117 with Visit 531 Nebraska. It's a Monday midday from the farm team. All right. Thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate it. we turn it over to Jason Jorgensen. You know, Jason, I... One of the things that I feel like the NFL and the in the NHL and uh, did in the NBA, they kind of negotiated within house to decide how they want to open this, and uh, MLB is court of public opinion, and that's not working out. Well, the problem is the uh, owners and the players they agreed to prorated salaries back in March, right. and then things got worse, and then the owners wanted to do it again, and then the owners proposed 82 game schedule. The players won 114 in a regular season that would stretch until the end of October, which I think is just crazy that they would think you could pull off and play the playoffs in the World Series in the month of November. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have they forgotten what the weather does? Exactly. But, but they want more games because their rationale is more games, they make more money. Mm-hmm. Which, But maybe they can find something in the middle, but... I don't see how playing a regular season until the end of October does anyone any good. Well, it's interesting. You wonder if the MLBPA is just kind of trying to negotiate here. But uh, when it comes to public opinion, a lot of times it's the players that lose out on that, you know? Right, and they they each need to get something done. There's a way for them to play baseball. That would certainly help our country in these troubled times. Uh, There is some good news. A lot of colleges and a lot of high schools able to get some semblance of normalcy back with some voluntary workouts. Of course, a lot of restrictions, a lot of cleaning going on, but it is a start. And coming up in sports, we'll hear from UNK Athletic Director Mark Bauer about how the Lopers are approaching things. All right. Should be interesting. Weight rooms opening up in a few places anyway, but lots of decisions to be made. Thank you very much, Jason. We turn it over to Bob Brogan now. And, and Bob looks like uh, stocks are, uh, you know, they're, just, they're okay today. They're in healthy territory. Healthy. We're seeing uh, sunshine and uh, lots of things to look forward to, I guess. Hong Kong's stock market surged more than 3%, and other Asian markets rebounded today after President Trump avoided reigniting a trade war with China amid tension over Hong Kong and the coronavirus pandemic. In the meantime, though, Target, CVS, Apple, Walmart, and uh, some others have uh, closed their stores in some locations because of these uh, protests that are taking place into the evening hours. And uh, lots of communities have imposed curfews and whatnot to try to to try to try stem the tide on that. Also, gas prices up just a little bit uh, nationwide. Uh, so those are 
going up just a bit. So those are some of the stories we're watching. All right. Very good. Thank you, Bob. That's all coming up on Midday. KRBN, 93.1 The River, and Cami have always blazed new trails. This year is no different. We're giving you a chance to win a brand new Chevrolet Blazer. And not just any Blazer. A 2020 Blazer loaded with extra details like tinted windows and a custom paint job. For your first look, go to krvn.com and check it out. Be listening because we'll be giving more details on how you can get registered to win the Blazer this fall. We are blazing new trails. Thanks to these partners. Eustace Body Shop, Eustace, Cozad, Lexington, Kearney, Grand Island, and Lincoln. Heartland Chevrolet and Buick, Lexington. Nutrien Ag Solutions. Suretop Angus and Charlet, Farnham. Cornerstone Bank. Member FDIC. With 43 locations serving Nebraska. Central Valley Irrigation. Holdridge, Lexington, Kearney. Nebraska Land, Kansas Land, Colorado Land Tire Group. And Lexington Regional Health Center. 1144, time for us to check in on our weather and see how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And uh, we talked about needing some heat units about this time last week. We got them. <laughs> there, they are here. Paul Perkins is here also. And uh, uh, 91 right now in Thedford. We're seeing some 90s start to pop up. Exactly. And a lot of, uh, a lot of luckily, a lot of soil moisture available, yep. like from yes. those rains that we did have last week. Uh, so showing some signs though of drying so hopefully this hot and dry spell doesn't last too long but yeah it's definitely some heat on the way today probably our hottest day so far this year you might if you listen real close <laughs> you can hear the corn grow today a little bit because it's uh it is it's going to be a good day good day for that for sure right paul exactly right now most of us with temperatures in the low 80s we are as warm as 84 currently in the hebron area Upper 70s still right in the Tri-Cities at 79 to 78 in Kearney, Grand Island, and Hastings. But as warm as 91, as uh, Scott mentioned, in the Thedford area. Luckily, are probably the benefactor of some westerly downslope winds coming up the Nebraska Sandhills where those winds are out of the west. But up to 91 currently in Thedford, 90 in St. Francis and northwest Kansas, and as warm as 95 in the Holyoke area. Underneath the Dome of High Pressure, both today and tomorrow, about 10 to 15 degrees above normal with our temperatures with some clouds mixing in with that sunshine. At the surface, we do have some south winds that will be breezy just ahead of a low-pressure trough. A few thunderstorms will fire near that trough later today across the west. Then tomorrow afternoon in central Nebraska, Wednesday through the late week, not going to be as warm behind the passage of a cold front. Some scattered thunderstorms remain possible through Saturday night. As we see numerous disturbances ride the outer edge of this high-pressure ridge, what a lot of people like to call ridge runners, the best chances of severe weather will be with the cold front on Wednesday, and that's when the Storm Prediction Center does have a slight risk of severe storms in much of central and western Nebraska into northern Kansas, so definitely pay attention on Wednesday. That high-pressure ridge rebuilds across the plains this weekend with highs warming back into the 90s. The overall forecast this week, if you want to put it into a nutshell, this week into the weekend will feature some warm to hot summer temperatures with some off and on chances of thunderstorms. In our long-term forecast, warmer than normal temperatures look to continue in Nebraska, Kansas, and the central and eastern U.S. this weekend through early next week. Now that heat shows some signs of backing off in Nebraska and Kansas the middle of next week through June 14th. Rainfall is likely to be below normal this weekend through June 14th for Nebraska and Kansas. 
Market impacting weather factors include upcoming very warm conditions across the central U.S. and signs of dryness reducing the size of the corn crop in Brazil. Above normal temperatures currently most prominent across the northern plains and upper Midwest will expand to cover much of the U.S. the mid to late part of this week. The Midwest will be very warm to hot this week, but minimal crop stress is expected due to ample soil moisture. Rapid crop development, though, is expected since the pattern also features some periodic showers. For the northern plains this week, hotter weather could lead to stress for emerging and developing crops, but that heat may come with additional showers, which would reduce the stress. In the southern plains, very warm to hot and mainly dry weather in store for drought-affected western sectors this week. The eastern southern plains will have some rain to accompany the warming trend, which will reduce the crop stress from the heat. Southern Brazil continues to be in line for moderate to heavy rain this week, but it's coming at a time too late for any meaningful benefit. Piranha is now projected to have corn production lagging last year by more than 10%. Farther north, light rain in Mato Grosso will favor the harvest of second crop corn. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. Certainly on Wednesday, you talked about there could be some stuff going on there. So. Exactly. Well, we're going to be pretty warm to hot, you know, with those temperatures probably into the 80s to around 90, and then that cold front moving through. And if it does move through at a key time of the day, we could see some severe storms with the passage of it. Opening also today of uh, hurricane season, and uh, so we'll, we'll, those will be interesting. Always, Sometimes they affect us, too. So. And we've already had some signs of some hurricanes yeah. and tropical storms. So. Yeah, so crazy. All right. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. Looking at wheat production in Kansas and some issues with heads. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. As we head into the latter weeks of production season, winter wheat prefers cool and sufficiently moist conditions. But then there's too much moisture. Disease with a head blight can infiltrate the crop. And the new wheat disease specialist at Kansas State University is advising wheat growers in persistently wet regions to be aware of this potential. Kelsey Anderson has a working familiarity with this late-season wheat blight, also known as head scab. Prior to arriving at K-State, she spent considerable time researching ways of managing it. I have my master's degree in plant pathology from Ohio State, where I worked on a disease that should be familiar to wheat growers, fusarium head blight. Um, And we thought a lot there about how rainfall patterns affect um, management of the disease and also fungicide applications. For fusarium head blight, there's, unlike stripe rust, which can affect the crop throughout the season, fusarium head blight has this critical window when it can affect wheat, and that's when wheat is flowering. So this is the time right now in Kansas where the wheat is susceptible to this fungal pathogen. And so it's really the time when the decision can be made to apply a fungicide or not. And for fusarium head blight, unlike for stripe rust, you can't really see it happening until it's already too late, right? So the symptoms don't show up until three weeks after that infection time. So it's important to protect that flower. Head blight damage the quality of the wheat kernels. It's in essence contaminates them as well, leading to considerable doggage upon delivery at the elevator. Fusarium head blight comes with the additional risk of a toxin, deoxynovalanol, a mycotoxin, which can accumulate in grain. So not only does it um, make the grain smaller and shriveled up, but it also can can cause this toxin production. So it's something we have to be really careful about. 
And I guess over these last couple of weeks, the weather conditions, especially in South and South Central Kansas, have been particularly good for fusarium head blight development. So Anderson is urging producers to assess the potential of head scab in the fields and then to be able to manage them accordingly. The fields that would be at particular risk, check your variety, the the rating guide, and see if you have a susceptible variety. So those would be the ones that would be a particular concern. And then also crops that are weed on wheat or weed on corn in um, lower no-till situations might be at higher risk because that's where this particular fungus will survive. Those comments with K-State wheat disease specialist Kelsey Anderson. Well, despite these recent rains, some parts of Kansas are still fighting the prolonged dry spell. And in those areas, summer grazing forage availability may come soon. And that brings to mind an old and providing supplemental forage to cattle, harvesting wheat straw and treating it with anhydrous ammonia. K-State beef specialist Justin Wagoner makes the case for the producers to ammoniate wheat straw for hay this summer as a grass resource. That's something to, to think about, especially given the situation that we're in. Well, if we have the ability to harvest some wheat straw through the ammoniation process, you know, that is a, a technique that's been used, uh, you know, well documented in terms of improving the digestibility of that forage, which then in terms improves intake. Uh, and so I think especially, you know, wheat harvest is, is not all that far off. Uh, it might be something that if we get the opportunity to harvest some straw, we, we certainly might want to keep that as an option for it. Looking at wheat and feeding options in Kansas, I'm Susan Littlefield, Rural Radio Network. It's time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Turned out to be a mixed bag on the recruiting front for Nebraska football over the weekend. Kingsland, Georgia, Camden County receiver Sean Hardy committed to the Big Red. The six foot three, one hundred and ninety pounder chose the Huskers over an impressive offer list that included the likes of Georgia Tech, West Virginia, South Carolina, Arkansas, and Mississippi State. But not all of the news was good. Jalen Noel out of Kansas City, considered to be a three-star recruit, he chose Iowa State instead of heading to Lincoln. Well, today is the day that voluntary workouts can begin again for some college and high school teams. UNK Athletic Director Mark Bauer explains the Lopers' approach. We don't want to react in a way that is kind of like a free-for-all, that we're going to blow those numbers back up again quickly. You know, we want to take all the precautionary measures we possibly can. We need to do this smart, and we need to have complete buy-in from our, from our athletic department. While student-athletes are allowed back on campus, there will be heavy restrictions and protocols that must be followed in order for that to take place. Now, the Big 12 says its schools can begin bringing athletes back to campus with resumption of voluntary activities starting on June 15th for football players. The conference says each school can use its own discretion in deciding when athletes return to campus. The Big 12 had suspended all team activities, voluntary or required, because of the pandemic, through May 31st. And Major League Baseball players have ignored claims by clubs that they need to take an additional pay cut and instead are proposing they receive a far higher percentage of salaries and commit to a longer schedule. It's all part of their counteroffer. A person familiar with the plan tells the Associated Press that the players proposed a 114-game regular season yesterday up from the 82 offered up by the owners. That's sports. For more, you can check that out anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen.
Gas prices are up slightly over the last couple of weeks, about $0.08 for a nationwide average of $2.05 per gallon, as crude prices have rebounded slightly and driving demand has increased some as more people resume activities following coronavirus lockdowns. Trilby Lundberg, the publisher of the Lundberg survey, reminds drivers they are paying much less than a year ago. The difference between this current price of 205 and the same time last year is uh, about 88 cents per gallon, and that would equate to nearly $9 for a 10-gallon fill. So uh, two or three of those in a month, even if less than at during better economic times, uh, that, that's a sizable savings that is an encouragement to motorists. The current average price of a gallon of regular unleaded gas in Nebraska is $1.82, according to AAA. The Lundberg survey reports the lowest average price for a gallon of regular is in Tulsa, Oklahoma, at $1.55, the highest being in Honolulu at $3.10. Nebraska officials are imposing a curfew and the Nebraska National Guard is being mobilized to help police after a man was killed during in downtown Omaha over the death of George Floyd. The shooting occurred at around 11 p.m. Saturday in the city's Old Market area and within a couple of blocks of where protesters had gathered. Police said they arrested someone within the hour in connection with the shooting of 22-year-old protester James Skurlock. Officials didn't say what led to the shooting during the protest. The protest in downtown Omaha followed one hours earlier, a few miles away that started peacefully, but devolved into clashes between protesters and the police. In order to determine states with the best health infrastructure to deal with the coronavirus pandemic, WalletHub compared the 50 states across 14 metrics and used a ranking system. Their data set ranges from the state's public health emergency preparedness funding per capita to the share of the population that is uninsured and the number of hospital beds per capita. WalletHub analyst Jill Gonzalez says Nebraska did pretty well in the study at number 10. Gonzalez says the study can be used by the states to work on improvements. Well, knowing where you are, where you rank, knowing how, long, how much improvement there is to be had, kind of seeing where your neighbors and what they're doing as well. So we said Nebraska was 10th overall. Uh, some of the states that ranked a little bit better, North Dakota came in at number one. Oklahoma was fifth, Kentucky sixth, Kansas eighth. So it's good to kind of see what other states are doing and maybe use some of their resources to your advantage as well. North Dakota, West Virginia, and Mississippi were the top three states with the best infrastructure to handle the virus. And finally, a loaded cattle truck crashed Monday shortly before 11 a.m. west of the Red Willow County community of Lebanon on Route 89. Multiple agencies were called to the scene. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network. At a press briefing hosted by the National Pork Producers Council last Thursday, pork producers called on the U.S. Senate to quickly adopt livestock agriculture provisions that are included in the COVID relief legislation, the HEROES Act, that was recently passed in the House of Representatives. Nick Giordano is Vice President and General Counsel with the National Pork Producers Council. The House passed bill provides for um, depopulation of uh, payments to producers, compensation for depopulation, which um, is going on. It's no secret. It's unfortunate. 
Um, and as you've heard these producers say, they this is like no event ever in the hog farming sector. I mean, it's it's unprecedented. And um, while Congress's action on the CARES Act is appreciated for the hog sector, it's 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 not enough. We need more, and there is more in the House bill, which is why we're eager to get the Senate um, working on a on another COVID package and to get something in front of the president that looks like, at least with respect to livestock and ag, that looks like what's in the House bill. So, yeah, it provides compensation um, to producers on a value determined that would be determined by Secretary of Agriculture. As one of the producers said, the you know, the expectation, nobody here expects to be made whole, but the losses are so tremendous that if there's not further help from the government, we are going to um, lose a significant portion of the industry. I mean, the, it's, it's really a catastrophe. And there are other things we like in the, in the bill as well. There's more money for direct payments, not just for hog farmers, but um, for for others in agriculture who who also are, are hurting, obviously we know why we may we may be at the unfortunately at the far reaches of the pain meter. Um, many other sectors of the economy, including others in ag, are hurting, and this bill provides more indirect payments. Um, it amends the CCC charter to specifically reimburse producers for euthanasia and removal and disposal. That's the Commodity Credit Corporation, so it amends the, 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 the charter. That's really important for us. And then, as A.V. pointed out, there's also $300 million appropriated for USDA to carry out the provisions of the Animal Health Protection Act. And, you know, first and foremost, that's going to be um, COVID support. A lot of the animal health um, labs across the country are being used to support COVID. Um, that's really important, and that there's other priorities that are important to us as well that um, could be realized through these funds. So it's it's uh, yeah, there's money there's there's money appropriated, um, and in fact, it's an open checkbook as much as needed. Um, it's not just for hog farmers; it's for other livestock and other sectors should they have to depopulate. But I think, again, unfortunately, on the pain meter, we're the ones that have been in the red zone for a while, and uh, we're the ones that are going to be there for a while. Also at that press briefing, there was discussion about the current backlog of hogs that are ready to go to market. CEO Neil Dirks talked about the current numbers, at least their their best guess. Using the reference point of the, the March pig report on animals coming to market and laying it Against that, the harvest capacity that was achieved uh, since the pig report came out at the end of March, um, it would indicate that there are probably somewhere close to, well, between 2.5 and 3 million head of hogs that were not harvested or that were ready for harvest and then were, were just unable to, to find a slot. Now, in addition to that, what's going on is that this is such a heartbreaking thing to contemplate but they are also genius creative and flexible and there have been a lot of people looking at donating animals things in this order so there is no given number 
but we do know that the numbers, we were just unable to slaughter what the government said were our market-ready animals. Now, if we take a look at the, the data from USDA on uh, weights of animals, it, it, it spiked significantly, indicating that there were animals backed up. It has been coming down a little bit. Part of that is, is that I think there have been some people harvesting the larger animals. some point, is the size of animal that is too large, and that varies by plant because of you know just the size of the animal going through the processing uh, can create problems. But this juncture, the numbers that most commonly get referred to are those numbers that were related to the animals that, that, that were ready for market according to the USDA report and what our USDA harvest numbers were, and that somewhere in the category of two and a half to three million pigs. I will tell you that right now, according to economist Steve Meyer, based off the pig report, we are seeing probably 2.4 million and a few more pigs that are ready for harvest per week. And this is seasonally, this is the time we have fewer pigs just biologically. And if we see what the harvest was yesterday, which was 415,000 head, that would give you about a 2.2 million head harvest on a 5.4-day week, which means we're probably still backing up maybe 100, 150,000 a week yet. We haven't gotten to the point of stasis on this, you know, where our, the current market-ready hogs can get processed. That's the best information I have. Again, that's audio from the National Pork Producers Council and their press briefing last week, Thursday. Here on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chad Moyer-Repiro. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Hong Kong's stock market surged more than 3%, and other global markets also gained today after President Donald Trump avoided reigniting a trade war with China amid tension over Hong Kong and the coronavirus pandemic. London and Paris opened higher. Shanghai gained 2.2%, and Tokyo was up nearly 1%. U.S. futures declined. Target, CVS, Apple, and Walmart all temporarily closed their stores in certain locations because of the protests over the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis last week. Minneapolis-based Target closed or shortened hours at more than 200 of its stores over the weekend, but it says most would reopen by today. Six will remain closed for an extended period after sustaining damage from protests. Parts shortages and infected workers are slowing the U.S. auto industry's ability to restart factories. Some auto workers have had to temporarily close plants to disinfect equipment after workers got sick or tested positive for the coronavirus. Others have had slower starts because parts plants in Mexico and elsewhere haven't come back as quickly as expected. The average U.S. price of regular-grade gasoline rose $0.08 cents over the past two weeks to $2.05 per gallon. Industry analyst Troby Lundberg of the Lundberg Survey says that the jump comes as gasoline demand increases amid widespread easing of stay-at-home orders. Lundberg says the current average price is $0.88 cents less than it was a year ago. The Creighton University Mid-America Business Conditions Index advanced to a still recessionary level in May. After falling below growth neutral for March, the overall index has remained in recessionary territory for two straight months. The Business Conditions Index, which ranges between 0 and 100, increased to 43.5 from April's 35.1, but down from March's 46.7. The employment reading indicated that the rate of job losses slowed from April. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Rook. 
Mondays can be a roller coaster day as you get the work week started. One thing you can count on is a Kappa Ethanol Crop Progress Report every Monday afternoon through the growing season on KRVN Radio. Clay Patton, KRVN Farm Broadcaster here, and I invite you to join me Monday afternoons during the 3 and 4 o'clock hours as we break down the latest crop progress numbers. It's Kappa Ethanol's Crop Progress Report every Monday afternoon on KRVN. If you missed a weekly program, catch up on everything at krvn.com. Quarantine may be keeping you from taking part in some things, but it can't keep two Wahoo natives from traveling to all 531 towns in the state. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Alex Wojcicki, joined on the phone by Seth Varner and Austin Schneider, both from Wahoo, Nebraska, and they started a Facebook page called Visit 531 Nebraska. Seth, can you tell us a little bit about how this project got started? So... We didn't really have anything to do this summer. After we got sent home from college a couple of months ago, we were kind of just sitting around all day, not really doing anything productive with our time. And so out of nowhere one day, I was just like, you know what? I think we should just go on these road trips. And when I was 10 years old, my dad actually tried starting something like this with me. And we went to like 40 towns or so, and we didn't get very far afterwards. So I was kind of thinking back on that, and I just hit up Austin one day. I'm like, hey, you want to go on this super road trip? And he was down for it and that's kind of how it just began his boredom austin tell us a little bit about obviously we're in the midst of a pandemic but and you guys are visiting towns tell us how you're taking some precautions well for starters um when we get to a town we try not to get out as much as possible for any pictures that we need it's usually a quick one outside the car or we take it from inside the car and after every single place we always use Dermix after every every town just to keep safe. And this project hasn't been going on for very long, but you guys have had the opportunity to visit quite a few places. Seth, can you tell us about some of those? Yeah, so we've we've been all over the place already. We visited 190 towns as of today, and we've, we've covered most of eastern central Nebraska and south central Nebraska, kind of, and we've been in like Nebraska City, Fairbury, Omaha, Lincoln, Fremont, Columbus. Those are probably the biggest cities that we've been to. Um, yeah, we've seen a lot of crazy stuff, though. Down in Nebraska City, we got to go visit Arbor Day Farm for a little bit because no one was there, so we just walked around and enjoyed the scenery. It's a beautiful city. Uh, in Snyder, Nebraska, we actually ran across this mystery machine that some couple owns. They, they let us take a picture with it, which is super cool. And really, just all together, we've seen just lots of just crazy things around the state that I wouldn't expect to see in Nebraska. And Austin, as you're traveling to all of these different towns, are you looking for anything specific when you go? Usually, it's just for like a cool sign, but also there's different monuments that we like to see. We use a site where we can find different historical markers that are in certain places, and we like to go and look at those. Well, let's take a minute to get to know you guys a little bit. And Austin, we'll start with you. What's been your favorite thing to go out and see as you visit these communities? Well, I love seeing different welcome signs. And there was this little town called Cordova, which with their welcome sign was literally a giant windmill. And I just thought it was the coolest thing to take a picture in front of. Very nice. And Seth, what about you? What's your favorite thing to go out and see? I would say the welcome signs are definitely a big thing, but I kind of consider myself a history buff. So anything that has any history behind it, especially the markers, obviously. Um, just any little plaques we see around stuff, I try to read through them quick. The Veterans Memorials are always cool. 
and just anything that has any history behind it in general. We like to learn about the town, so I always always try to check that out. All right, great information. Thanks so much for joining us. We have been joined by Seth Varner and Austin Schneider, both from Wahoo, Nebraska, as they are on a quest to visit every single town in the state. And you can follow along with their journey by going to Visit 531 Nebraska on Facebook. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Radio Network talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, as we start off the new month of June, of course we'll have first notice days coming up very soon, but right now China politics have kind of put us back on a rocky start to the month, even though we did see some limited buying in those soybeans. Yeah, yeah, I think you, you kind of nailed it on the head. China's going to be the dictating factor here such a weird market we're in you know I'm, I'm almost inundated by uh by the media at this point i don't mean to say one specific space but you know just going through here the amount of crisis quote-unquote crises that we're facing um you know we're kind of already getting beyond the the coronavirus as we're now on to the new racially charged environment we're in china's taking over and people somehow forgetting now that we're we're still shut down so um, I think on the good news side, the coronavirus cases are falling, and that's a really, really good sign. I think that's pointing towards more normalization this fall. Now, what that means in the wintertime, if it comes back, I don't know, but I'm a little more optimistic there on that front, and I think that's the most important thing to remember right now is exports matter, especially in soybeans, but the, the U.S. economy getting back on its feet is, is a huge, huge deal, in my opinion, probably not priced in on the commodity side. The Chinese factor is... You know, it's a longer-term story here that once we realize what supply the U.S. has, you take out all the premiums here, you're probably 50, 60 cents too high in beans, maybe even more. And, you know, maybe 20, 35 cents too high in the December contract. So, you know, that's essentially the crux of it. What makes us move here in the next month, month and a half, when we normally then tend to jump into our downtrends for, for the season? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm really not. I think in the long run here, there's, bullish stories that can come out of nowhere but in the very very immediate term i think they're the you gotta be ready to sell rallies in corn sell rallies in wheat soybeans i'm a little more optimistic because i don't really believe the china news now looking at the currencies they also impact export news and really we finally are getting some meaningful pressure on the u.s dollar Um, you'd like to see some of the other better performance in, in the market like gasoline that's back below a dollar. But in short term here, I think the markets have in them, but I, I think we're going to be pressured with grain sales over the next month. Um, so, again, I'm going to stress this every day. Just be patient. Don't don't jump in the market yet. I think closer to the end of July, given the weather we're seeing. And again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, though, trading futures and options involves risk of loss and may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. And that'll wrap up today's midday program here on KRVN. If you missed any of the interviews or segments, want to rehear them, you can listen to the midday podcast at krvn.com or on iTunes. Our midday podcast is sponsored by Deveni Motors. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Deveni Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. 
When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to Davini Chrysler Jeep Dodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal. 